Hello everyone, my name's Tina Dare and I want to welcome you to the Surge Network's Faith, Work, and Rest podcast, where we explore what it means to glorify God and love our neighbor through our daily work and rest. Imagine this, God finishes his incredible work of creation. He crowns his masterpiece with humanity. Adam and Eve, his image bearers, set apart to create and cultivate his world. Ready to get to work. But then what comes next? It's day seven. There wasn't a lack of things to do. The world was a blank slate, ready for city planners and gardeners and home builders. But God has finished with the work of creation, and so he rests. He sits back and enjoys all that he has made, together with Adam and Eve. I wonder what they did on that seventh day. Did they walk in wonder at the magnificence of the different plants and animals? discovering strawberries for the first time? Did they begin to consider the different ways that they could develop this world? Or maybe they just spent time with God, hearing about his heart for his world and for humanity's part in it, sitting beside him as the sun started to sift through the trees and shadows danced along the garden floor. In today's episode, we get to hear from Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith, She draws out this beautiful insight that humanity's very first experience of the world was sharing in the rest of their creator. Her work as a physician and her own personal journey led her to study rest in a holistic way. As we begin this new year, 2022, what would it look like for us to lead with rest as our main resolutions? To imagine our first calling as image bearers, as those who rest in the finished work of Christ. I really hope you enjoy this conversation with Dr. Dalton Smith about seven different types of rest and how we can seek to be restored in this coming year. I'm here today with Dr. Sandra Dalton Smith. She is a physician and the author of Sacred Rest, among other books, um, but that's the one that we'll primarily be talking about today. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. So I think all of us, we talk about on this podcast, our vocational journeys and how they sort of shift over time. And we start out broad and sometimes start to hone in on an area that really fits with our own stories, um, our own passions and interests. Can you share how your journey started to kind of focus in on the work that you do now? Um, well, I, I'm a physician by trade, so I've always been interested in health and kind of general well-being of people. And so for myself, this specific topic of rest came just from my own struggle with it. I, I don't rest well. That's not something I'm very good at. I'm more of a workaholic. I'm the, I'm the person, okay, if there's something need to be done, just get out of my way and let me do it. Yeah. And so, you know, when you have that type of mentality, you're, and you're very kind of goal-oriented and productivity-driven, it's it's it takes a complete mindset shift to then start focusing on rest. Well, that mindset shift for me came because I burned out. I mean, I mm-hmm. remember coming home one day and literally laid out on my four-year floor, like this is the life that I've been working towards and, and you know, striving towards 
I don't want it. It doesn't feel good. I, it doesn't really matter how many accolades or you know things I'm checking off my to-do box. This life isn't fun. And I had to start finding a new way of, of truly just recovering my life from burnout. And so that took me on that journey of what is rest and why am I fighting it so hard? And what can I do to get it if I don't want to quit my job or take an extended sabbatical or vacation? How do I get it in the middle of this life? Hmm. And what were your first steps in that journey for yourself that then sort of evolved into a vocational emphasis? Yeah. So the very first steps were looking at what, what did the current literature and research say about rest? And really, there was no literature or research talking about rest. Everything was talking about sleep. And I can understand that because at the time, really, everybody used the words interchangeably. It's like, I'm going to go take a rest. And they basically meant they were going to bed that night to go to sleep. So it took a while for me to to really recognize that getting more sleep wasn't helping me. Um, I had nothing medically wrong with me, so I couldn't blame my thyroid or my adrenals or anything else. Um, And I had to start looking at, okay, So just like as a physician, if someone came to me and said, I hurt, I wouldn't just be able to treat them or help them because saying I hurt doesn't give me any details about where I should even look for the problem. And Mm -hmm. I started to look at fatigue the same way. I kept saying, I'm so tired. I'm so fatigued, but I wasn't really identifying anything specific enough to actually be able to solve it or treat it. And that's when I started to think about where am I fatigued? What, what exactly am I saying? You know, no different than if a patient told me that that would be useless information. And it helped me to kind of narrow my focus more. And the more I started sharing that with my patients and actually helping them narrow it, I started to see that this wasn't just, it wasn't just me. I wasn't the only burned out person out there. There were a whole lot of burned out people who were just surviving. You know, they were not living happy lives. They were chronically tired Every doctor had told them nothing was wrong with them and they were still tired after getting eight hours of sleep. So that yeah, drove yeah. me kind of along a path of um, some of the things that I do now with the speaking and the consulting and um, wellness initiative programs that I help corporations with. Wow. And how, how did your faith or, um, you know, your engagement with the scriptures shape how you thought about this topic? It was the, it was the reason I think that I was actually able to figure anything about it out because when I was, um, you know, laying on that floor in the foyer, like, you know, what am I doing here? Is this my life that I built? Um, I felt like it was really the first time that I ever felt kind of God speak to my heart, not Mm. audibly, but just kind of to my heart. It was like, this is the first time you've ever asked me anything about this. Like you've never asked me anything about your, um, your, your career, like resting and kind of how I use you to work. And it, it was very hard, you know, in the very beginning, because I had really gotten to a place where my worth had, was wrapped up in work. Yeah. So if I was do, I was nothing, if I was do, not doing something, I, mm-hmm. if I was active, I felt like I had purpose and I had mission, I had goal. And I felt like that was very biblical. And I do believe that it is to some degree, mm-hmm. but I had taken rest and almost made it like a bad word, like a, a true four letter word yeah. there, where it's like, you don't say that. That's not, that's not beneficial. That's not glorifying God to go rest. And that is so the opposite of what the scripture says. So when I started this journey, it actually took me back to when rest is first mentioned, just in the creation story. And, you know, when I started looking at that, that's when it really dawned on me, you know, this is not something that was like an afterthought to God. I mean, from the very beginning of creation, before we even get out of the first chapter of Genesis, there's already this discussion about rest. And what really impressed me was that the work actually didn't get started till chapter two. It doesn't talk about man actually doing work until after the time of rest. 
Because huh. I'd spent my entire life thinking, you know, I should work to earn a place of rest where scripturally, you know, man was created on the sixth day, animals first, then man, and then on the seventh day, God rested. Well, it doesn't talk about man doing work till the entire next chapter after that day of rest. And it finally dawned on me, you know, man's first full day on the day on earth was a day of rest. You know, I'd always thought I had to work to earn my rest, but the scriptural precept is that you actually rest to be prepared for the work that you're sent out to do. And Mm -hmm. once I kind of got that mindset, it changed everything for me because I started to see that the work that I had been producing in the past was work out of my exhaustion. It was from my emptiness. I was still Mm -hmm. producing, but I was producing out of my emptiness, out of my exhaustion. And so to be able to turn that around and to feel like I'm producing from a place of fullness, what's released doesn't feel so dry. It doesn't feel so, so like such an effort anymore. And I, and I love that. I love that. It's, it's a redeeming of that whole mindset of work and rest. That's so, I've never heard it put that way before that the very first day of God and man, humanity together in creation was them resting together in the perfect finished work that God completed before any commissioning to work. That's yeah, man, that's so good. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing I think, you know, is the beautiful part of kind of, of, of how every, I feel like every vocational journey that is, um, God driven, that is your God given destiny and purpose, you know, on the sixth day, God spoke into man, um, commissioned, I guess, so to speak, fruitful, multiply, told them what they were there to do, mm-hmm. but they were, but before they were ever sent to do it, they started in that place of communion with him, that place of intimacy, that place of rest, that place mm-hmm. of Sabbath, of, of peace, of shalom, of wholeness, of being poured into. And then from that place is where they go out to do it. And I think too often we, we, we do the exact opposite. It's like, oh, God told me I'm supposed to do this, or I feel like God's, you know, commissioned me to do this, or I feel impressed by God to do this. And we don't rest. We go head first (laughs) out to do that thing. And then we get exhausted. We get burned out because we are trying to finish in the flesh, what was created in the spirit. And we Mm -hmm. actually need that spiritual feeling and indwelling first to be able to then go out and do it with our limited, you know, physical bodies. Oh, that's such a good distinction. And I've heard what you mentioned of there is this, these Christian underpinnings of I work for God. I work for God. I work for God. And, and it's like this imbalance, like you said, rest as a four letter word. And, but we see in scripture in this formational aspect of Israel's, you know, our, the heritage of the people that the people of God flow from, there was this repetition of just as your God rested on the seventh day, you shall rest. Like it was fundamental to their identity as a people. And yeah, just being able to recover that I think is, is so important. And your work does that so well. Um, what I love about your work and it's, it's really laid out in your book, uh, sacred rest is that you don't just say like, all right, go rest now, but you give these different, um, you know, arenas, these different avenues for rest and sort of help people delineate between the type of rest that they need. Um, so I took, you have a little quiz. Is it, is it rest.com rest, uh, restquiz.com restquiz.com. Okay. So, um, I'm in a season young kids for many reasons. Rest is somewhat elusive to me. So I, I was so curious to take this quiz and see, okay, what, because I finish a day often and I'm like, what do I need? I, I know I need rest, but do I need to just go to sleep right now? Or 
you know, do I need time in relationship or what do I need? So I, I have my results here and I would love to just go through the categories, yeah. um, starting with my highest need. <laughs> and you can kind of talk through, talk through with me, these different forms of rest. So, sure. um, the first category, my highest need on my, on my score was mental rest. So explain what is, what is unique about mental rest? Mental rest is being able to really quiet your mind and not have your thoughts kind of scattered or going in different directions all at the same time, being able to focus and concentrate. Um, Oftentimes what I find, particularly if someone has uh, the term I use a bit of an overthinker, like they're always processing information and the wheels are always moving (laughs) in there. Um, That type of person tends to have an issue with mental rest because they are, they are a processor. Um, and that, and honestly, being a processor is a gift. I mean, you know, it's very interesting that our gifts can also be our areas of liability because it's places where we expend energy and sometimes we don't even contemplate that we're expending energy. Yeah. And so when that's the case, it's just to be aware that you that you function like that, that you are an overprocessor. And so if you're laying down at night, let's say you're about to go to sleep and your head won't shut up, you're you're thinking about to-do lists and what you want to do the next day. The, the strange thing about the brain is when you ruminate over information, you're actually telling it to not turn off your mm. basic. It's the same thing we do when, like when you were in school and you were trying to do a spelling bee, you'd ruminate over the spelling of that word or over that history test to try to retain the information. Well, when you mm. do that with your to-do list, your brain says, nope, she wants to retain it. So we're not going to sleep well. We're just going to hold on to whatever that thought is. So simple things like just writing it down, um, doing what we call a brain dump and jotting it on a piece of paper actually gives the brain permission to release it because now it doesn't feel like it's its job to hold on to that little bit of information. And, you know, that's the thing about most of these types of rest is finding simple solutions you can do in the middle of a normal day. You know, not having to come up with some kind of big deal thing that you have to go take a sabbatical or find 50 minutes to debrief, you know, it's just something quick that un, that kind of releases whatever that process is that's leading to the deficit. Hmm. I've heard you um, talk about like a physical exertion can actually bring mental rest. Is that right? Like going well, for it a depends run. because yeah, because going for a run can be very beneficial for mental rest. If you, if your job isn't physically active, you know, if you're physically mm-hmm. depleted, that's going to be kind of a double negative. But if you're yeah. someone who spends most of the day sitting, so your physical body doesn't really have to do a whole lot during the day, it's not exhausted. So a little bit mm-hmm. of exertion is healthy for it because it has, it's been sedentary all day. However, doing that wrong run for someone who has a mental rest deficit, being able to focus uh, is their issue. And so running oftentimes causes people to think about their cadence and their breathing. And so your attention, rather than being so broad and over-processing, narrows down on these couple of things, breathe, run, you know, foot strike, all of these kind of simple things. And in that process, it quiets the, the headspace because it's not over-processing. It's very focused and, and directed towards one thing. And that causes some people to feel that sense of mental rest because all of a sudden now, they can, they, they're not so kind of widespread in their thinking. So good. Okay. So that was number one, uh, mental rest. My next highest need was physical rest score. So what is this? What are types of physical rest that our bodies need? Physical rest um, are two types. There's physical 
active physical rest, and then there's passive physical rest. And so passive are the sleeping and the napping, the active forms of, so you may need that if you have small kids and you're not yeah. sleeping well. So you Amen. may need the, act, the passive form, but the active form of physical rest, if you have small kids that you're lifting, um, let's say a, you know, 35 pound, uh, what, four-year-old or something Mm -hmm. where you're lifting over and over again, that could include things like making sure you're stretching your upper body. Um, You know, I oftentimes find with moms, particularly if they have kids that they're lifting over and over, they don't realize how many times they lift that child and how heavy that child actually is. They've done it for so long, they don't think about it. And so they start having neck and shoulder and back pain. And part of what they're experiencing is a physical rest deficit due to that repetitive heavy lifting basically. Mm -hmm. And so just being aware, you know, if you're having tightness in your body somewhere, aches or pain, the body, the body keeps the score, right? So just being kind of aware of those different places that you're feeling that and do some things like stretches or um, foam rollers. If it's your legs that are are swelling or having some issues, Um, massage therapy, stretches, all of those leisure walks, even, you know, Mm -hmm. it's anything that improves the lymphatic, the circulation gets the body moving and kind of stretched out more. Yeah. And so is this one that's really important too, for people whose work is physical, like someone, you know, in construction or in landscaping? Absolutely. Oftentimes, you know, it's that group that over time develops back in, you know, bony type issues. So Hmm. neck, cervical, lumbar, back type issues. And most of those issues actually are stemming from imbalances in muscles. So their muscles, because usually we're either right or left-handed, very few people are both and use both equally. So what ends up happening is you have one muscle group that gets really tight and knotted up. And so that muscle group then starts pulling on either the spine or the scapula or whatever it is that's being used. And all of a sudden that person will start saying, well, my back hurts all the time. And I, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. And when they come in and we x-ray them, their spinal, their spinal um, alignment is not in balance anymore because you have this spasmed muscle that is never released because they're always working and they're not thinking about stretching. And over time, it causes some kind of more permanent type problems that oftentimes end up having surgery, you know, which mm-hmm. That's the the importance of not just ignoring the body and thinking, oh, well, I worked hard, so it's okay to to feel this pain because, you know, I worked hard to be intentional about kind of identifying when there's an issue and then taking some time to do whatever you can in the moment to try to improve some of that. Mm, That's really helpful. Okay. Next up, we have emotional rest. Tell us about that. Emotional rest is the rest we experience when we are allow ourselves just to be authentic and real about what we're feeling. Mm. So it, it deals with having those people or play or situations in your life where you can just be authentic about what's going on with you emotionally. Some people, you know, if you are someone who maybe you don't feel like you have that trusted friend or, or someone, it could be someone that's actually you're paying for like a counselor or a therapist. It could be a pastor or, or, you know, a priest. Um, it could be a journal, you know, it doesn't actually have to be a person. It's mm. being able to release those emotions and not have to feel like you have to bottle up those feelings and never address them and the releasing of them and and kind of getting them outside of yourself, it, it unburdens you. And so it's help. It's helpful to have a person to do that with, but you can get the very same response from, you know, writing it within a journal or notepad or somewhere where you can release those feelings because you want an opportunity just to, to really evaluate what you feel and to have the space to do that. Wow. That's really, that's really interesting to think. Cause I think sometimes when I feel emotionally overloaded, I just want to shut off things that would stir up my emotions more, but then it's still kind of like bottled up when there's not that 
that safe, healthy release. That's the rest. The rest is in the release of them. Because what you're describing is actually what I call emotional labor. So many of us have that. We have these emotions. We don't want to release them. So we just hold them. And so there's an emotional labor that we carry around, an emotional heaviness that kind of keeps weighing on us because we don't feel the liberty to put it, to, to release it. That's when I think of casting cares, um, as the scripture states, that's what I think yeah. of. So many people are carrying all of these emotional kind of laborious thoughts and, and things that they're keeping. And, you know, as parents, I find that the pandemic had a huge part of that because many parents were, you know, they, for example, you know, somebody got laid off or at their job or hours got cut. They didn't go say, Hey kids, you know, I'm stressed right now because, you know, and because no, no, most parents wouldn't do that. So, you know, we, we carry the emotional labor of everything's good. Everything's fine. Yes. We're going to get the birthday cake. That's $50. when we don't have that right now, you know, so they're trying to make it seem like everything's good. And they're holding on to all this emotional labor, trying to, to take the burden off of someone else that they don't want to worry, Mm -hmm. which is fine. That honestly, professionally, many people do that. I do that in my medical practice. I don't want to stress out patients if I'm in the middle of something that, you know, if I have a patient who's dying on the table and they're a close friend of mine, I I can't burst out in tears in the middle of that procedure. I got to keep it together. There's an emotional labor that's just expected sometimes, but there has to be a time when you release it because not releasing it is then going to turn toxic on you. And so there has to be that release at some point in time to get that emotional rest. Wow. I'm just getting this image of like, you know, a yoke or like a heavy burden that we're just walking around with and it's invisible, but without that release, we just continue to drudge along day by day. And yeah, imagine how sapping of energy that is. That's yeah. And that's most of, that's a huge part of our culture, especially Mm -hmm. during the pandemic. Because nobody wanted to, nobody wanted to talk about how scary it really was, you know, during that season, when, when every March, April, May, that period of time, honestly, all the way through June, through the riots and all that stuff, there, there was so much emotional labor that you could, you could tangibly feel the heaviness in our country. Yeah. Mm, And you see it come out sideways and so much um, division because there was mm-hmm. that, that, that fear of just saying like, we're all scared and we all don't know yeah. what's coming. Yeah. Um, okay. This next one is so interesting to me. Um, creative rest. So what is creative rest and why do we need it? Yeah. Creative rest is the rest that actually awakens that childlike wonder inside of us, that mm-hmm. awe and inspiration. And so, you know, for, for many of us, we use quite a bit of creative energy, even if we don't consider ourselves to be creatives, so to speak, you know, we're not artists or musicians or whatever painters, but creative energy is more than just that. It's if you have to solve problems, which I think not a single one of us didn't have to go into problem solving mode over this past you know, 18 months. If yeah, you're solving yeah. problems, if you're having to be innovative, if you're having to think outside of the box, if you're a homeschooling parent and you're, if you had to figure out how to do math, you haven't done in a thousand years. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you, you use creative energy to start figuring some of this stuff out. And so I think sometimes we don't realize how much creative energy we use and how much we and how much we need to have that part of us kind of inspired and awakened again so that it stays healthy. And so ways to get in creative rest is really enjoying beauty in whatever form inspires you. So some people that's natural beauty like, you know, looking at pictures of the ocean or going to the, the beach or going outside and just enjoying flowers and the fall leaf colors. For other people it could be something more specific like um 
artwork, looking at artwork, listening to music, um, going to the theater, however you appreciate beauty. And it's not, you know, sometimes I have to make sure people realize because there's so many pottery classes and art painting classes out there. Those are fun. Those are actually more social rest because you Mm -hmm. do them with friends and you have good time and you're not there, you know, trying to get anything from each other. You're there just to enjoy each other's presence. So those Mm -hmm. are needed, but those are actually creative work because you're putting a demand on your creativity to produce. So, so, you know, you have to separate out the activities and uh, wow. to whether you're receiving or pouring out, but creative rest is actually just appreciating what's already been created. That just strikes me to think about, you know, we are made in God's image and our creative power and our creative work flows from him as, you know, the one who creates and sustains. And so as we walk along, you know, the shores of the beach or, you know, through um, the mountains and look at the sorrows. We're almost walking hand in hand with our creator and he's taking us on a tour and, and re-inspiring that in us. Like, yeah, this is what I, this is, this is who I am and what I've created. And it, like that inspiration to kind of be restored yeah. to that. Yeah. Well, you know, the interesting thing is over uh, 50% of people say that they experience creative rest around bodies of water, like the ocean. And I think that's a big part of it because it is so powerful. It is so rhythmic and predictable yet being unpredictable. Mm. You know, you, there, there's, yep. it only goes so far. It doesn't go cover all the earth, the earth again. It only goes so far, but you don't know how far it's going to go. You don't know how fast the wave's coming. You don't know what the undertow's like. So yeah. they said there's, um, there's a predictable unpredictability. And th- so there's an awe associated with it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to, to keep that part of yourself, that childlike, wow, God, wow. You know, sometimes I love it when I'm driving home with my my um, youngest son, he's 15, and and we'll be driving home and he'll be like, mom, look up, look at the sky. And we'll see this beautiful skyline. We live in an area with a lot of mountains. And so the sky colors will be everything from purple to pink to, you know, and you're, and I love that he actually takes a moment to appreciate that because as long as you can keep that little bit of childlike wonder, it keeps, it keeps you hopeful. It keeps you joy filled and it keeps you, it keeps you aware of God in everything. Mm, so good. And it is that release of looking out and being like, all right, I'm never going to create this. I'm human. I can let, I can let God be God. And <laughs> take yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The next is spiritual rest. Spiritual rest has to do with really making sure that you are um, not always in the rhetoric of religion, but you're actually in the relationship aspect of it. You know, I believe that Bible reading is necessary, studying the word, but sometimes it's can be, it can become more of a ritual where you do it out of practice. Even devotional time can become very ritualistic and just making sure that you're keeping that level of intimacy, um, over that relationship over religion concept. Hmm. So good. Is there one practice that you would recommend to restore that when someone's feeling like they're stuck in sort of the practice of it. Yes. I call it, I consider just practicing being in the presence of God with your mouth closed and your heart Mm -hmm. open. I think too often we, we are, we go in prayer with our list of requests and we're talking, 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 talking to God, but we don't quiet ourselves. And so just to start practicing, just being aware of God around you with your mouth closed, with no requests, just being silent before him. It's great. Being the, the being still and no, I had be still quiet and no. Mm, yes, be still quiet and no. Okay, what about our need for sensory rest? Sensory rest is being aware of the sensory inputs around you. So everything from the lights, the sounds, the smells, the things you're feeling, and just be aware that your body and your your attitude really uh, 
responds to that, whether you're consciously aware of it or not. Um, you know, if you're in a place where there's a lot of background noise or a lot of bright lights, you may find that you're irritated at the end of the day and don't know why. Um, you know, if you're working at home and you have your kids running around and, you know, they may be not doing anything wrong. They're kids, they're giggling, laughing, having a good time. But all of that background input is affecting you. And yeah. so if you notice, I'm just not a nice person after four o'clock, I want to snap everybody's head off. Chances are this level of sensory overload you're experiencing, even if you're not aware of it. Mm. Mm. Okay. Bringing us home with the last one. It is social rest. And yes, and we talked about that a little bit as being around those people that fill you up. Most of the people that we are around are people who negatively pull from our social energy. Doesn't mean that they're negative, just means that the nature of a relationship is that they need things from us. And so you want to make sure that you are around people who are pouring back into you um, that, you know, that don't necessarily need anything from you. And some relationships can be both like your, your spouse, they're going to need things from you. So they're going to negatively pull at times, but you should also have times where you are just enjoying each other's presence and being in each other's company and, and having that time be specifically for enjoying each other. Mm, and having that balance of, of both in our relationships, being cognizant mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, it's really good. Absolutely. Okay. So we'll put it in the show notes, but for those, this podcast will get released um, near the beginning of the new year. And I think many of us make goals for things we want to do things related to productivity, but um, I would love to see people make really intentional goals for their rest. So that's restquiz.com is where you'll kind of be able to take the quiz and learn and see some of the different areas that you in particular are in need of rest in this coming year. Um, and then can you just, before we finish up, can you tell us about, you have a couple other books that you've written and another podcast, we'll have to get into those, but can you just share those and then share other ways we can, um, kind of learn more of your work? Yeah. So um, the, my other two, well, my, the book we've been discussing is Sacred Rest, Recover Your Life, Renew Your Energy, Restore Your Sanity. And then the my first book is Set Free to Live Free, Breaking Through the Seven Lies Women Tell Themselves. And then I have a devotional, Come Empty, Pour Out Life's Hurt, Re- Receive God's Healing Love. And my main website is ichoosemybestlife.com. That's where most of my resources are, including my blog and links to a lot of different things. So great. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Sandra. It's been so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. If you enjoyed hearing from Dr. Dalton Smith today, I really encourage you to take 10 minutes and go on her restquiz.com. It was really helpful for me to reimagine the different types of rest. And as you look over your results, maybe pick one or two areas of rest to prioritize and pick um, specific actions of how you will pursue that rest in the coming year.